When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Derek Draper. And I'm Eloa, and today on Derek Draper Space, we are talking about Chapter 7 of Create Space, which is Space to Plan. Ah. You're going to tell the story, Derek, of the brothers and their failing magic show. But before you do, I'll just read the lesson for the ah. chapter. The lesson is having a clear goal, what you want to do, and a clear plan, how you're going to get there, mm. are the prerequisites of executing successfully. And this chapter is the first in the do section of the book. The three uh, chapters that's about right. yep. creating space to actually okay. do yep. and deliver. Yep. So can you talk us through the uh, the story of yep. Darren and Tom? Yeah, so I guess we're, we're, this episode comes about halfway through the book, right? So we had space to think, three three chapters, three episodes. Space to connect, again, three episodes. And now we're moving into space to do, right? Um, and the, I, I said about... Um, uh, the episode on on relating that it had my favorite story, the story of Amir. This chapter has my favorite quote, right? Which is Abraham Lincoln, who said, although the the copy editor of the book said he couldn't prove this, so it actually says attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Right? Love it. Now this story is interesting because it's about a whole team and most of the stories in the book are about individuals. I think there's one other one about a team. Um, what it, in, in a way, it's about a whole organisation, actually, right? So it's, a, it's about a, a startup that these two brothers, Darren and Tom, set up. Darren, the sort of salesman, if you like, the kind of, you know, charismatic, good-looking one. Um, and uh, Tom, the kind of slightly quieter brother, right? Um, and very classic story of, of startups, Um at first, especially because they were brothers, right, and they liked each other a lot, it all went really smoothly, right, because they, they, they managed it organically. They managed it almost intuitively, right, using a bit of telepathy almost, right? Um, and that was fantastic when they were first. And they all had to do everything, right? It was a technology company in the city. Um, and um, as it grew, they were able to kind of keep doing that. But at a certain point... Uh, and it was the point where they they decided to get a proper HR person to come in for the first time. Um, it, it wasn't really working, right? And and the, the the HR person I'd worked with when he was at a bigger company, and he ran me up and said, "Look, can you just come in because there's something you know seriously wrong with this organisation, how it's kind of working?" Um, and I sometimes will go in and just observe, right? So 
Uh, I went in, I think, a couple of days and, and sat at the back of the kind of weekly team meeting. And it was utter chaos, right? So so, so uh, Darren would just sort of randomly suggest things, ask people, you know, announce they were doing them. You know, it, it, it just, you can imagine it working when it was 12 people in a room, but you get 150 people. It's just, it, it was like, it was utterly confusing. Um, and, you know, that, that, you know, and there was quite a lot going on as the story kind of shows about the personalities and how they were as brothers. But one of the most fundamental things that was going on was that there was no plan, right? They, they had no clear plan of what they'd, they'd, they'd sort of operated from the seat of their pants, right? Uh, and the phrase I had in my mind. Right. Mm. And, and that, as I say, was fine initially, but just wasn't working. And I think they'd grown at 20% a year and then it had gone down to 10 and that year it had been zero growth, right? So, you know, you, if you're a technology startup, that's death, right? You have to keep going. You have to get bigger. You have to kind of be out there. Um, and, uh, you know, when I said, you know, Guys, you know, there doesn't seem to me to be a plan, and, and it, 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 the people who work for you don't know what the plan is, right? So they don't really know what direction you're going in. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing, right? It doesn't fit together in they might in your minds. I think it had stopped actually fitting together, even in Darren and Tom's minds. But uh, certainly for the kind of people out there in, in the company, they, they, they just didn't know what was going on. So the company, the organization as a whole, as a result of Darren and Tom's lack of planning lacks a goal, lacks a plan. That's right. Or a series of goals. That's right. To work towards. You have quite an interesting take on planning and, and goal setting, which is that there's kind of different elements that you have to attend to. Do you mm-hmm. want to tell us about mm-hmm. those? Yeah, so so I think um you know the, 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 the fundamental question is what what what's the resistance to planning, right? Because um some of it was about uh Darren and Tom and what had happened to them when they first started in the business. And it's interesting because a lot of the things that we, we, we call in the book core pathogenic beliefs, which are kind of old and misplaced assumptions right, about the world and who you are and what the world's going to be like and what the world does and what, you, you know, a lot of those start in very in early childhood, right? So, so sometimes the work is to go back and connect those dots and see what echo is being played out today. But actually, in this case, it wasn't really about Darren and Tom's childhood. It was about that they'd all had they both had experiences which led them to be skeptical of planning. Right. So, so Darren had been in a big company and they'd overplanned and he felt stifled. Right. I think they'd had a go at bringing someone in to do a bit of planning for them and they turned out to be not that good, you know, so that they sort of gave up on that. Um, but as well as those practical things that make you think, ah, we can't be bothered with this. We're too busy. It moves too fast. Right. I mean, that, that's the big intellectual objection you get to planning right that the, especially now you know everything's changing everything's being disruptive it's a vuca world i can never remember what it is do you know what it is i do go on uh, volatile right certain yeah. complex and ambiguous okay right doesn't sound so good right why bother planning right uh again you just need to be agile you just need, you need to, to be, be responsive you just need to that's yeah. right and and leading me to another great quote in the book which is from um uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who who, who ran D Day, right? And I imagine there was some planning involved. And you know, 
I bet he thought that there would be disruption and chaos and all sorts of unexpected things happening on D-Day, but he still planned, right? And what he says is, in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. So, you know, when people say, well, we're just going to be agile, it's like, well, from where to where, right? So, So that notion that you have a plan, even though you might have to change it, review it, right? And and maybe the world speeded up a bit, and so you might have to do that more quickly than in the 1950s, say, right, the 1970s. Um, but it doesn't alter the fact that you kind of need a plan to begin with because you, you kind of, it's like going on a journey, right? You, you kind of, you've, you've got to have a map and know where your next step is, even if you then decide to veer off and go to the beach, right, or go and visit another uh, village, it, 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 you know, it doesn't work unless you're at least starting with a sense of where you're going, especially if you're in a leadership position, because everyone else is looking to you and saying, well, where are you going? Because we're supposed to follow you, right? It's followers, leaders, followers, right? They, these are from the, the sense of in the in the ancient times, right? When pe- when a leader would be saying, right, we're going over that hill. And we'll say, well, we, we, we put our trust in you, so we're going to follow you over that hill. Leaders say, well, I, I've got, got a plan or a goal or anything. I don't know where we're going, right? We're just going to adapt to the environment. We're, we're, what would ever happen? So anyway, um, <laughs> right? But you're quite passionate about this. I am very interested. You see, see, the, see, a lot of you prefer the, the part of the book on, on relationships and connecting. Right? I prefer this, this part when we get into the doing, right? Um, I know, I know all the other stuff is important as well. Um, but no, but so there are intellectual objections to planning, right? Which I'm not sure bear much scrutiny. But there are also psychological objections to planning, right? And, and this, I think, is what really lies underneath those other objections, right? So, I mean, the first, and there's three key ones, I think. And the first one is, um, well, you're gonna, you may well feel stupid, right? Because if you sit down and start planning, which is about where you want to go, how you want to get there, what resources you need, how you're going to allocate those resources. If you actually think and plan, you might think, well, what have we been doing for the last year, two years, five years, right? We've, we've, so it we've, holds up quite an uncomfortable mirror. It holds up an uncomfortable mirror, right? So be- better believe in agile and cracking on and, you know, sort of flying by the seat of your pants, right, than actually think, you know what, if, we, if, if, if we're going to have a plan and we need to do that, my God, we've wasted a lot of money on that other thing, right? A lot of time, a lot of energy, right? So, so you know, it can make you feel a bit stupid. Yes, that's something we talked about in another episode, which is this sunk cost fallacy. This Absolutely, we poured all of this time in. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, mm. that that's where that uh, bias, psychological mm. bias, would come in. Um, but and and the second uh, emotional resistance is, is around the idea that, well, uh, it might go wrong. Right, our plans might not be very good. Right. Because if you're just flying by the seat of your pants like they were at Red Technologies, um, you can't really be held accountable. Because a year later, you look back and say, well, well, where did we say we were going to be? Well, we didn't. How did we say we were going to Well, we didn't really. We've made it up as we've gone along. So it actually, I think, lets people off the hook, right? Whereas if you have a plan, then people can say, well, your plan, did it work or not? Did, Did we get there or not? Right, and so it shines a spotlight on the planner, if you like, which tends to be the leader, right, with support. And so again, there's an inbuilt, almost unconscious reason not to plan, which is that you know, if you actually nail your colours to a mast, what if your ship sinks, right? Um, and then the third one is that planning forces you 
to make the tough decisions you might have been avoiding, right? You know, because if there's no plan, you can kind of carry on. So I think there was a division at Red Technologies which was working on a product. They, they, they'd been very excited about it initially. They hadn't really thought it through. So that, again, there wasn't a plan. But everyone, including the people working on that thing, knew it was it, they were flogging a dead, dead horse, right? But because there was no plan, there was no one to say, well, guys, the plan has to be now we've got to stop doing that, right? Because, because we've all kind of agreed that it's not going to work. Um, but they didn't want to do that because they liked the people and they might have had to make some of them redundant, right? It's uncomfortable. It could be painful and difficult. That's mm. right. That's right. It reminds me of budgeting. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's the equivalent is a, yeah. of just spending yeah. willy-nilly. That's right, that's right. Spend in a business, it's all yeah. about spending and spending versus actually taking a really long, hard look at the numbers. Absolutely. And saying, actually, what can we afford and, and what's money well spent? That's right, that's right, which you can't do unless you have a plan, right? So budgeting is a kind of subset of the plan in a way. So can we touch on goals as well? Yeah, because yeah. Because obviously you have to know, as you said earlier, what you're planning for and what you're heading towards. That's right. I love this analogy of, the map and you've got the destination and the terrain and how you're going to yeah, get there. Yeah. What do you yeah. take on goals? Well, the goal is the foundation of the plan, right? And if you don't have a goal, don't bother with a plan. Uh, for all I've been here very passionate about having <laughs> plans, right? If you haven't got a goal, don't bother, right? There is no point, right? So you have to be very clear about what your goal is. You, you have to forego other goals in order to achieve that goal. And for almost all of us, it's not that life gives us one obvious goal that would be amazing and three or four ones that we know would be shit, right? Life will give us five possible goals that could all be great, right? Uh, and that's when you've got to choose one, right? Uh, and that means not doing the other four. And again, those psychological things, what if I'm wrong, right? Uh, you know, I could just ruin everything by making the wrong decision, which of course brings us back to decision making, which is one of the episodes on uh, Under Space to Think, right? So, and I keep I keep going on about, um, you know, great quotes in the book, right? But but there, there is another one that I love, which is Stephen King, right? The great horror writer. He talks about if you're going to succeed in, in writing, you have to kill your darlings, mm. right? And what he, he what he doesn't mean is like kill them as in you know the plot you know they get murdered unexpectedly or you know dramatically he means kill them in, in the sense of getting them out of the book so he means that he will write a, a character who he loves right it's really alive that you know he wants that character to be in the book but they don't fit the plot right and a bad writer shoehorns them in right, tries to, like, exactly like the department that was working on that particular product at Red Technologies, keep them going, right, maybe not as uh, in the centre of things, but as a, well, could, they could be a side character, it could be a side goal, like, no, right, if they're not part of the plot, out they go, and so you have to be very ruthless about, ruthless is a word that I use, and people go, oh, ruthless, you of course, you have to be ruthless about setting your goals. And when you set your goal, then you can create your plan. It makes me think of quite a few words. Ruthless is one of them. Relentless, relentlessly yep. focused. Yeah, yeah. And the other word that it makes me think of is discipline. It's yep. really about Absolutely. having that That's right. unilateral focus. And, and you have to discern what really matters, what's important. And what would be nice, but actually we just don't have capacity. That's right. Do. That's right. And and people utterly delude themselves, mm. right? Because people say, well, I can do it as well. I'll just work a bit harder, right? 
you know, I, I'll I'll forget the fact that life is and work is full of emergencies and unexpected delays and demands, right? Uh, and so you, you've got to be fundamentally honest with yourself and say, this is my goal. I mean, the example I use in the book is 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 my goal of writing the book, right? Where well, you're right, it took a lot of discipline and uh, relentlessness, right, uh, and resolution. Um, because there were, but there were other things I could do. So you know, I, I I say that my big goal was my book. Now I had I had and I talk about this. You're always going to have ancillary sort of business as usual goals, right? So I needed to kind of um, hit my target at the consultancy I then work for. Can just say, oh, I'm off writing a book. Bye, right? Um, deepening my assessment skills was something that I was doing at that time as well, uh, and and also improving b- business development because I had that role in the business. So so I couldn't abandon those goals, but I had a, a, the big goal of my book. And what that meant was that other things I'd like to do, and here it's, you know, writing a book with Ken on potential. I'd have loved to have done it, right? No, right? Becoming a coaching supervisor? Well, I could fit that in. It's only a few calls and some, you know, like four hours a, a week or something. Nope, that had to go. And setting up an office in Moscow, where I'd done quite a lot of work, right? Would have loved to have done it. Had to go, right? So that was that's an example of, 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 of how ruthless I was, which is the only reason we're sitting here talking about it, right? Otherwise, it would have been, if I spread myself, there would be no book. The lesson is, it works. It worked in this case. <laughs> Derek, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We really look forward to you joining us on a future episode and head over to DerekDrapers.space for more. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 